You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn to Exodus. We are in Exodus chapter 6, continuing our series, and man, it is a good one. I want to officially, for the podcast as well, in the video, uh, wish everyone a, a happy Father's Day. Um, I think it is important to honor fathers, uh, to give gifts, to recognize this important role as uh, men lead their families and love like Christ. And it's important for us as dads to be in the house of God, to listen to his word, to abide in Christ. You know, Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this. It's in the back of the book that I gave you. The righteous who walks in his, in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Uh, when you walk after God, it actually impacts your friends and your family. And us as dads, when we have integrity and walk with the Lord and walk in righteousness, uh, we are rooted in a, a solid foundation and it affects our entire family. And so it is important to encourage you men and you, your fathers to just keep on going in that direction. Be in the house of God. Uh, it's hard Um, But we want to recognize you and and we want to understand that you have been given a great responsibility from the Lord. And the way that we get our strength from the calling of God is going to God himself. And so that's why we're here to study God's word as we continue through our series in Exodus. Um, But before I do that, let's take time to pray that the spirit of God would teach us through his word. Ask God for our help not only just through this Bible study, but also for all the dads. Just want to recognize you and pray for you and um, take time to to thank our Heavenly Father for being with us and being able to minister to us. So let's just pray and then we'll get right into God's word. God, we thank you so much for who you are, for giving us that title, Lord, Father. That was an unusual thing and Jesus gave that to his disciples and said, hey, when you pray, say, uh, our Father who our who art in heaven, Lord. And so we, we bless you, God, and we come to you relationally. Lord, this isn't a religious experience. Um, although it's religious in the sense that we want to keep on coming to you, like that song says, again and again and again. Uh, we want, Lord, to meet with you, the living God. We thank you that you're a generational God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we just bless all the dads, all the grandpas. We bless all their sons. We thank you, Lord, that we can pass on our faith to others. And whether we be a spiritual parent, a physical parent, Lord, uh, we know that it's important to abide in you and to do the things you've called us to do. And so today, on this holiday, we recognize, Lord, just the dads. We bless them. We pray, Lord, that they would uh, be encouraged by our study tonight as there's direct application to the fathers today through this text. And we pray, Lord, as we all gather together, that we would just continue to pray for um, people that come to our mind that have great responsibilities, all the moms, the dads, the parents, uh, teachers in our area, the community leaders, Lord, our, our government, our president, Lord. There are so many people that we can be praying for and encouraging. And Lord, we just ask that you'd have your hand upon uh, these men that have been given this responsibility. And so we bless them today. And Spirit of God, we pray that you'd remind us to continue to bless people and lift them up and bring them to you. And so we thank you. We ask for you to speak. And it's in your powerful name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Laura is going to come up here. She's about to give me the best Father's Day gift I could ask for. She's going to read Exodus chapter 14, verse 30. And when 
you read it with me today, you will realize how much of a gift this is. It is Moses and Aaron's genealogy. You ever, you, just. <laughs> so let us together with our Bibles try to read as we butcher a whole bunch of names. We're going to go and learn a lot from the Lord, but I just figured I couldn't get half through this list. But you are, you are blessed, babe, because Robin is not here, so right. no, one will know. no one knows half these names and how we explain it. So uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 14 in your Bible, all the way through the end of the chapter is what we're going to cover. It's all you. Okay. Verse 14. These are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. Hanuk, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, these are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jamul, Jamin, Ohad, Jakin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman, these are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the son of Levi, sons of Levi, according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shammai by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Malai, and Mushai. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took his wife, Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri, the sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Zithri. Aaron took his wife, Elish. Elisheba, listen, the daughter of Aminadab and the sister of Nashan, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph, these are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took his wife, one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Wow, wonderful job. Give it up. Come on. Although I think you mispronounced the name or two. I'm just joking. I would never do that. What? That's the best Father's Day gift I had. Although I did have pierogies today, homemade, uh, from a pierogi shop. So good. So great. That was on par, equal to the gift that I didn't, that I didn't have to read all those names. Okay. Because when I don't know how to say something, I just freeze. I'm like, uh, and I just can't even do it. It's just so hard. Uh, now, listen, I know that um, this may not seem like a whole lot. As we just, I mean, it was a whole lot, like a big mouthful. But it doesn't really maybe seem like we can read that all the bunch of names, uh, especially like a genealogy and get a whole message out of it. But we're about to. Because... 
it's important that we don't just breeze over these things. We're going through Scripture, and there's a reason why God puts things in Scripture, even when they sometimes don't even necessarily relate to us. Uh, There's a reason for that. And we tend to just rush by these long sections in our Bible reading plan, which is pretty awesome, because I don't know if you've ever done it like in Numbers, Leviticus, or these genealogies. You like get like three or four chapters done in like two minutes, because you just don't even pronounce the words. you just like, oh, the clans of oh, look at that, the whole chapter, it's done, right? But it is important to stop We have our study, we have our Bibles, and here's the first thing I want you to know. When you think about this text or you think about any genealogy when you go through those Bible reading plans and you read all these names that you cannot pronounce, okay? It's just water. That's good. Thank God. I was like, man. Um, First point, this. Here's what I want you to see from this text. What we just read. You guys are reading along in your mind too, right? Okay, great. Not saying you know how to... um, pronounce all those things, but this, God cares about individuals. Think about it from just our taking a step back generations later. We're reading all these names, which we have a hard time pronouncing, which they don't really relate to us. Many of us aren't even from the Jewish descent. We're not Israelites. So it seems like a little bit of a waste of time because they're not relative to us. But we have to remember in the context when we study Scripture is that these were actually people. This is actually historical facts. And I know it may not seem important to you, and they probably aren't, but they are important to God. These people, these names. He knows and cares for individuals, each and every person on every single list in the Bible. Every genealogy, or like in Nehemiah, my favorite chapter is when Nehemiah gives a list of all the people that helped on the wall. It's like 70-something verses. God knows us individually, and so much so that he writes these people's names down in the Bible. Genealogies always show us the importance of individuals. And you know what's amazing is God knows all of us in this room right now by our name. He cares. It may not be relative to the world or even our community or some people, right? We may not have a million followers on social media and and be known and famous and all this different stuff or have these great talents or... God knows all of us. He cares for all of us. He's a God that loves people, individuals. And that's pretty amazing to me. You know, Jesus would teach this in in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31. He would say, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered, which means he knows exactly you at every single moment. Because hairs fall all the time. But he knows us, the details even of our lives. And he says, fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. You you have to understand that God loves us. He cares for us. He cared for these people. He's writing his historical facts about these people, including Moses and Aaron's parent or dad, Amaron. And he's writing and he's saying they're valued, they're known by me, and I understand and love them. In a world that seems to sort of ignore normal people and just elevate people in this life for, it seems like we have a, a, a culture of people that just want to be famous and superstars. Isn't it freeing to just know that you can be who God made you to be and God loves you and cares for you? It's okay if you may not have all of the, the things that the world elevates or you have flaws 
He cares for all of us. He knows all of us. He wants every one of us to know that he knows us. David said this in Psalm 8, verse three through four. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers and the moons and the stars, which he's saying, when I look at all the amazing things you do and how powerful you are, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? We should be amazed that the God of the universe knows exactly who we are today. Think about how many empty seats are in this church, in this building. God smiles because we're here together right now worshiping him. He cares for us. He's not disappointed. He knows all of us. He knows our doubts and our struggles and our, and our fears and our cries throughout the week and what we're going through, what we're gonna go to and all this different stuff and he marks us by his name. This should cause our hearts to swell up with praise. You ever think about a genealogy like that? He knows you, individuals. He knows me. One commentator said this particular section is provided to allow the reader to know who Moses and Aaron are and where they came from. It's important to recognize who we are, where we came from, our identity. And as we study this specific section, we learn another important lesson, that we are chosen by God by his grace and election. We're chosen by God. It's not that he just doesn't, just doesn't know us, but he chooses us for who we are and is by his grace, by his specific election, he predestined us, he loves us, he cares for us. Remember, this is Moses writing the book of Exodus and specifically wants us to realize how great God is. That's the whole purpose. When we come to scripture, we're trying to see, okay, what does this teach us about God? Who is Jesus? Have a lens of the gospel through Exodus, right? And, and realize who he is. And Moses wants to make sure that we don't elevate him because he's just a man. He wants to make sure that we elevate God, that we elevate God. Moses and Aaron would be known by the nation of Israel as great men used by God. I mean, even if you... If you Study scripture if you know, go to Israel or, um, I mean, these are the, the men of faith. Aaron would be the first high priest of the Jewish nation, the Israelites. Moses would literally, his name would be synopsis with the law. The, he would be the prophet of prophets. And so what he is doing right now is trying to show you his genealogy in the midst of what has taken place and what is about to happen. It's sort of a weird way and a weird interesting way of showing his humanity and his flaws. Because we learned last week in the end of chapter six, uh, the beginning of chapter six, verses one through three, that God promised deliverance. Remember those seven statements? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. He gives Moses encouragement by pronouncing who his nature is and giving him the promises of God. And so Moses in this state is now gonna record how God will do everything he said, but he wants to make sure he, everyone knows it's God and not him. Because Moses is going to go and display these mighty works from the Lord, and we're about to study through these 10 plagues and signs and wonders. And he emphasizes how great God is by choosing someone like him and Aaron to follow him, to serve him, to know him. He reminds us who they are and how they weren't that great before God chose him. And this genealogy actually provides us a big list into Moses and Aaron's reality of who they really were and who they really weren't. It provides us a list of Jacob's three sons. 
Now, Jacob uh, got his name changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons, would be the 12 tribes of Israel. But in this list, he only names three sons uh, from Israel, or Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. I know how to say those names, okay? All right? But Moses and Aaron are not the sons of the firstborn of the nation of Israel. Remember the firstborn, he's the special, he's the privilege, he gets the blessing. Reuben would have been the firstborn of Jacob, but they are not the sons or descendants from Reuben, but they're descendants from Jacob, Levi, the third son. Likewise, Moses wasn't the firstborn son. We've sort of talked about this in the history of Moses and studying Moses. Aaron was actually three years older, but Aaron would serve Moses older would serve the younger, which was very unusual. Aaron, the older brother, would serve the younger, and God chose Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Moses was not the one with the birthright or the blessing, but he received it by God's grace and specific election on his life, his call to do this specific work. And I think Moses understood this and actually wants to highlight this as he repeats the same exact verses we just sort of studied last week. If you look at verse 30, he says, But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? He's reminding us, he even questioned God, of how good he could be used because he recognized he wasn't that great. So he wants you now and me now to recognize He's not that great. This is all God. He's not the firstborn. He's not in the right clan. He don't have the gifts and ability. God still knew him, and by his grace and his calling, the election of God chose him to do a specific work at this moment. And right and smack dab in the middle of the promises and the fulfillment, Moses is like, hey, make sure you realize it ain't me. This is all God. He wanted to specifically know that, that we need God's grace. And God elects us and gives us gifts and ability, not because we're so special, but because he loves us and he cares for us. And all those individuals he sees, he gifts them with his love. Remember, if you know the history and you read through Genesis, the tribe of Levi wasn't even given an inheritance. Instead, they were scattered. Uh, As Jacob was dying and giving all of the blessing to his 12 sons in Genesis chapter 49 through 5 through 8, he didn't even give the the Levites a blessing of of having its own land or calling. These Levites would be scattered among the nations, and then they would get the responsibility to be priests, still being scattered among the nations, not getting an inheritance. It's like God is specifically saying, I am choosing people not based off what they can offer me, but I am giving them my grace, and that's what is making them great. And so this, the Levites, the tribal Levi, Aaron, uh, he, then this genealogy would also give this, his, some of his sons because it was very important to come through that bloodline to minister over the people and to be connected to this tribe. Numbers chapter three, verses one through 10 talk about how Levites would be ordained as priests to minister and have this specific calling. And what I find interesting all about this is you cannot choose who your parents are, can you? Here we're on Father's Day and we have memories of our fathers and we have memories of our parents and we have good memories and bad memories. But no matter what, you don't choose where you're born. You don't choose your ethnicity, your parents, all these type of things. God does that for you. And he's telling us through this text, those things are chosen by him. 
And he has a plan and a purpose for our lives when he gives us certain parents and when he gives us the role of being a mom or a dad or a grandparent. And just like Moses and Aaron, we all have been chosen by God and it is according to his plan. Now, with the lens of the gospel, the New Testament, and our salvation in this pattern of redemption, we even see this. Ephesians chapter one, verse three through seven. Read this text with me and this in mind. It said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Knowing this, this should cause our hearts to praise God to bless God, that he poured out his grace and that he's chosen us and called us in Jesus Christ and has saved us all by his grace. We're saved by grace, not through works, that no one should boast. And listen, just because God gives us grace and chooses us does not take away our responsibility. We still have faith. We have responsibility and free will to receive his grace and walk in the calling he's given us. He wants us walking in his grace, accepting and receiving the call that we have in our life. You know, there was great faith on Moses' part, wasn't there? To actually obey and to walk in that calling. And he struggled with that. Like many of you probably struggled with obeying God. But Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones. We've been chosen, we've been blessed, we've been called. God has poured his grace upon us. So put on, respond, or have faith to be holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And we're going to see through Pharaoh, there's a choosing, a calling, an election, but there's also responsibility in our part. You see, in God's grace, he gives us responsibility and opportunities to walk by faith and worship him in response to this adoption and to this grace that he gives us. The last phrase I want you to sort of notice through this text is found in verse 14 and verse 25. It's this, the head of their father's houses. Did you notice that? That all of these genealogies are by men. And not just any men, but it's the head of their father's houses. It highlights that, the, that men have a specific role given by God in the family. And let me just say this, they still do. They play an important role in the family. The last point I want to point out to you in this genealogy is this. God has given specific roles to specific people. Some of us really love this and some of us really hate this. But by God and his election is grace, he has actually chosen specific roles. And it doesn't mean a, a person with a specific role is better or worse. Uh, but God in his grace had made a plan for us to submit to and obey. For example... Some of you are male, some of you are female. You have different roles. I think this is why there's a big component and a spiritual component with the issues in our culture today of marriage and gender. Because the culture is wanting to play God and say, I am not this, I did not choose this. Well, no, you didn't, God did. 
God knows each individual and he gives specific grace and abilities and role. And part of that is gender. Part of that is uh, marriage. And I say this because it's all over media right now because it's Pride Month. It's June, it's Pride Month, and the world wants us to celebrate that all genders are okay and all sexual orientations are okay. The only problem is it's not biblical or scripture. We as humans don't get the right to define what roles God gives. He's already given us the truth about these issues, that there is male and there is female, and that there is marriages between one male and one female. And when people buck against this, they're actually bucking against God's chosen election of roles, and they're, in essence, not celebrating the grace of God that he chooses. He made you a male or a female. He tells you this is what marriage is. He gives and defines for us structure as humans that when we submit to his ways, we thrive. But when we rebel against it, we see chaos all over. We see people confused. God says male, does not say males are better than females, but he does give specific roles. I'll give you another example. Males cannot have babies. They just can't. Physically impossible. That's part of God's election and the way he rolls. That's what he's done. That doesn't mean that females are better than males or males are better than females. That means that we actually have a beautiful harmony way to play in God's plan for humanity. And we should celebrate that and elevate women and elevate men and elevate marriage and the things that God says. And if you really have a problem with the roles and responsibilities God has given us, you should read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through Ephesians 6 through 4. Because he gets very specific about roles like wives, husbands, children, and parents. And it seems to me that by saying the heads of the father's houses, that fathers have an important role to play in their home. That they have a role to play. And let me remind you, dads, that your specific role even today is very important. And God recognizes that, honors that, and wants to equip you to do those things, to lead your family, to love your wife like Christ loved the church, to not provoke your children, to disciple them, to raise them up in their ways. Like we have a whole bunch of scripture about specific roles that older women would uh, disciple younger women and older men would disciple younger men. And there's all these things that we can learn from God about life as we walk in his wisdom and be blessed. We should embrace this, that we have specific roles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that even in the body of Christ, that we have different gifts, that I'm no better than any of you just because I have a speaking ability, that other people serve behind the scenes and some people give generously and other people do this and have that role, that we all, when we come together, it's a beautiful thing and it honors God and it blesses God. And so this is why you can see the spiritual attack of this in our culture because they're going against God's ways. But specifically here on Father's Day, let me just encourage you dads to embrace your role specifically as a father because I've, I've, seen, I've had a lot of, heard a lot of Father's Day messages where they, they, they elevate the, the role of the father, but they never give you any application of what to do. And I think it's really important. So if you have your Bible still out, turn to Matthew chapter 3. I want to end the message in the genealogy of thinking about just specific roles and how God elects us and knowing about Father's Day and all this stuff to give some encouragement to us dads and even us as parents and people of God to um, look to our Heavenly Father 
to see how we would fulfill this role in our life of being a dad, of being a spiritual dad. Matthew chapter three, verse 16 and 17 gives us some good encouragement on how to love our children as dads from our heavenly father. Because many of us know that sometimes when we think about a father, we think good memories, but we also think negative memories because no one's perfect uh, in this life. But God gives us some how-tos in scripture to be blessed by and shows us um, how to lovingly encourage people and walk in the calling that we have. And so, of course, this passage is a passage where Jesus gets baptized and we hear God the Father give words of acceptance, affection, and affirmation to his son Jesus. I think these simple words of the Father can help us in our role as fathers to our children. And, you know, I know that there's only a handful of fathers here. Ladies, there's still application for you. You can give all these things as well to your children, to your friends. As spiritual uh, family, we are able to learn from God the Father and give that love and pour that out, not just on our children, but in everyone. So it applies to all of us. I'm just gonna say dads because, come on, it's Father's Day and I'm going through Exodus, all right? So Matthew chapter three, verse 16 and 17. Familiar, but with this idea of specific roles in mind and what God does and how he blesses people. We need to be a people of blessing. Uh, that was the primary role of dads, to bless their children. It says this, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, and this is God the Father speaking, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In this section of scripture, we see God the Father bless Jesus, his son, with powerful words. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The Father is expressing or expressed his blessing to Jesus before his public ministry so that Jesus' life would flow from blessing and not for blessing. This is very important in a picture of the perfect gospel of grace, that God loves us despite what we do. We don't do a lot of good stuff to earn his blessing. He blesses us, or John would say, we love because he first loved us. You are not trying to be a good person to earn God's favor. God has given you a blessing. He loves every one of his children, every one of us, and pronounces his love to us so that we would respond from a place of being loved by our Father. And these words, just like they shaped Jesus, should shape us. They gave him strength for this life to serve God the Father. And from there, you see right then God, the Spirit of God, led Jesus to be tempted by Satan and his ministry, public ministry, would begin. Now, I want to remind you, fathers, that your words of blessing are important for your children's life. In this genealogy, there is a father's responsibility to be the head of their household and to speak words of life and to have that responsibility in the home. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We can give life and encouragement to others, especially our children, as we bless them with our words. And in this simple little sentence that God the Father says to Jesus, we learn three lessons on how parents and how us as Christians can bless other people with our words. And we see that we're to give acceptance, 
We're to give affirmation, our affection and affirmation. Three important lessons that we can do today, dads. Number one, acceptance. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. This simple statement, the father, in this simple statement, the father accepts Jesus as his son. And he's letting people know and he's showing his unconditional love in this moment. It's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing, actually. The Trinity right here, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in this public time when Jesus pops out of the water, the Father is showing his unconditional love towards Jesus. This is something we all need and all long for, not only as parents, but as people. And we as parents can give that to our children in unconditional love, in acceptance of our children. Not acceptance of what our kids do, but acceptance for who they are. Some questions to help us accept our children or to think about. Do our kids feel loved for simply being themselves? Are we sending subliminal clues that they need to be something else? Do we pressure them to do something else? Or do we accept their personalities, their music, their sense of style, their opinions, and even their emerging views of life? Do they know that they are seen and accepted for who they are regardless of their actions. One pastor that wrote an email about this subject, he has sort of an a, a email list and a, on parenting, uh, John Tyson, he said, children ache for blessing. It is a requirement for a healthy soul. And this isn't just for children, but God's children. We all ache for blessing. And it's so important to know that in Christ, we have God's perfect acceptance, that we're beloved by him, when we accept our children for just being our children and show them unconditional love, it blesses them. And doesn't that bless you in your life when you have friends, spouses, people in your life that just love you unconditionally? It says a lot. It ministers to you a lot. This is the role of a dad, to give acceptance. Not to accept sin. We need to correct. But we accept them for who they are simply because they're our children. We accept our children as ours and love them for who they are. The next thing we see in this passage is, it says, affection. It's not just acceptance, but it's affection. The father literally says, whom I love. I'm well pleased. This is my son. I, I care about him. Many parents love their children, but fail to express that love in ways that connect deep with their children. And this is very important for us. How can you express your love to others. The Bible tells us that we're to love one another and love others, but, but what does that mean to your children? How do you express that? Is that with words? Is that with spending time with your kids? Is that with giving them gifts? What does it look like to love other people? And when we come to Father's Day, what does it look like to love your children, to know them? We want to accept them for who they are, and if they really like that, then to do that with them or spend time with them or encourage them. What does it look like to express your love to other people? For me, personally, recently, uh, it's been two things. Uh, Fortnite, the video game. Some of you may or may not know about that. Uh, it's my son's favorite video game. Shout out, Jer. You know? uh, and right now, it's going to the gym. Now, I've been married coming up on 19 years tomorrow, Laura and I. Never had a gaming console in the house. Not, not necessarily a big fan of that. Uh, I was when I was young, but, you know, screw, I have other things to do in my time. 
Um, but my son loves video games and I wanted to spend time with him. So I got a PS4. And now he's into basketball, going to the gym stuff. And I love it because I get to connect with him and love him in that way. Some of you guys have younger kids. I think you may disagree or not, but for me as a dad, it was a lot easier to connect with my kids when they were younger. Like, for example, I would just go to the McDonald's, buy my ice cream cone and be done. They love me. It's amazing. <laughs> 99 cent, done. I'm so old. They were like 59 cent when I was buying them, you know? Um, you know, like, or, or like you just like sort of snuggle with them at bedtime, done, easy, cheap. Now they're teenagers, not so much because they're starting to become their own people. They have their own opinions and their, their opinions are different than your opinions. Their interests are different than your interests. So now as a dad, what I have to do is I have to actually go and go into their world and do their things that they like and their interests, their movies, their shows. It's not the best sometimes, but it's important because it's showing that I love and I care for them. At least I hope it is. We need to find out the interest of our children to express love that they like. A lot of you, I know this to be true, because speaking from my dad in that generation, uh, a lot of our parents, or your parents in that generation, never really expressed with words, I love you, and were affectionate in that way. Dad's usually provided with a job and just stability and they express, but they didn't like snuggle you and show you infection that way. And a lot of people really longed for that because some of us wanted that and they didn't get that. And we have to be mentally aware of like, okay, it's not just enjoyable for me as a parent, but if I'm the responsible one and I need to express my love, what does that look like expressing my love to others? And that's something that we all need to ask, not just for our children, but as Christians. If we want to love people, what does it look like to actually love people? And it could be hard. It could be not enjoyable at times, but it is something that God has called us to, to express love to other people, even us dads, with our words to our children. My kids know. I'm, I'm the parent, like, when I drop my kids off, like, I love you. See you later. Come give me a hug. You know, at school, I embarrass them all the time, but, you know, um, sometimes they don't want that. They just want to spend time and hang out. It's all different. Well, lastly, the third thing that we see from God our Father as far as blessing and giving this blessing is um, affirmation. It says, with him I am well pleased. A couple of questions to think about how we affirm our children. Do we affirm the good in our kids' life or only highlight the bad? What is the ratio of calling out gifts versus correcting are we spinning words of affirmation, uh, speaking words of affirmation over our kids? This is hard for me because as a dad, your responsibility a lot is to discipline, to correct. But we want to be careful with that. We want to have a fine balance. Our kids need encouragement from us to hear us say that we're proud of them, that we love them, that we care for them. I have a tendency to be heavy-handed on disciplining, but I need to affirm as well. Again, John Tyson said, a soul cannot be nagged into a state of delight. A soul cannot be nagged into a state of delight. It must be affirmed and nurtured there. I think that's a good word for us parents, especially dads, um, to make sure that we're encouraging and affirming and supporting the strengths of our children. Let's not forget the power that we have as a father to bless our children's lives. If Jesus need a blessing for his calling and mission from God the Father, and you need a blessing as a person and as a child of God, our kids will also need a sense of blessing too. And so we need to come to this and say, okay, 
this is a great role, how do we do it? We can see how God does it, and he's given us this beautiful responsibility as heads of our father's house to bless our kids as dads. So as we sort of conclude this message, and I know it's a little bit of like Exodus topical, sort of getting sidetracked on this, the role of a father, I think it's important because right now in our generation, uh, the divorce rate is so high, a lot of fathers are not in our homes. And the fathers that are there, um, they oftentimes aren't godly examples because they're not walking the ways of God. And so rather than just saying, hey, go do this, it's important that we go, okay, well, does God say anything about these things? And we need to trust as God's people that when he calls us to do something, whether it be a mom, dad, father, missionary, preacher, uh, ministry leader, musician, whatever it may be, he gives, a, he equips us by his spirit and he gives us his words to do so. Uh, this is why we read through all of those, that, those lists and, and learn and study those things. So as we read over Moses and Aaron genealogy, you know, we see in Christ that God accepts us because we have been adopted as sons through Christ and through the gospel. And we've been loved fully by him, right? The list of genealogy shows us that he cares for individuals. He cared for Jesus in that moment. He cares for us and he calls us. He accepts us. He loves us. He adopts us. God shows us as his sons and his children affection. That's one of the reasons why Jesus came through the gospel. He sent Jesus into the world to display his great love and affection for us. 1 John 4 talks about that, that God manifests his love on the cross for us. God wanted us to know that he loved us and he, and he accepted us and he shows affection in dying and spilling his blood. And he says, even in Ephesians 1, all spiritual blessings are now found in Christ. We, as God's children, have been chosen by God, elected by God, by his grace. And God gives us affirmation as well. He doesn't just say, keep on sinning, do whatever you wanna do, good boy, whatever. No, he affirms us and says, I've given you a higher calling. I've given you my word, instruction, so you can walk and you can be planted like a strong tree that bears good fruit. And I wanna affirm my word and give you my spirit inside of you to teach you my word, to encourage you, to support you, to give you wisdom on what to do and how to do it. And God has given us each a specific role as his children in the body of Christ in a local church to serve him. God gives us affection through his word as well, and meets us right where we're at. And so again, fathers, your relationship with God, it will and does matter in your parenting. Because as we receive his love, we'll be able to give it to others. And that's where John 15 comes in about abiding in Christ and having his spirit and his word help us to bear fruit. And as we do that, and as we continue to go to God with all of the roles and responsibilities and callings that we feel him place on our life, we can get strength from him and we can see that he loves us and cares for us and wants to equip us to do everything he's called us to. And so whether you're a father or whatever role he's given you or maybe he's stirring in you or reminding you of the, the things that he's called you to do, let's, let's understand that we have a good father. He's perfect and he, he accepts us, he loves us, he affirms us. Um, and he wants the best for our lives. And we really, truly have the best for our lives when we say, actually, it's not about us, it's about God. That's what Moses is doing in this section. In this great, I will deliver you, and I'm about to do it. Moses is saying, it's not about me, it's about God. Let me show you, it's not about me. And for all of us, when we submit to God in his ways and say, it's not about me, it's about God, 
man, we'll have a blessed life and we'll bring glory to God and we'll really fulfill our lives. And so let's pray and let's thank God for his love and affection and grace as we take communion and just sing songs and just enjoy his presence now. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come and gather again tonight to just worship you, to seek you, and Lord, even to receive all that revelation or information from uh, just a genealogy. But we know your word is powerful. That's why we're here, God, to submit to your word. You are our final authority. And we wanted to just uh, praise your name with these last few moments of taking communion, of enjoying your presence, of saying, God, we wanna be satisfied in you. Lord, we now wanna receive your grace. You said as often as we come together to receive your grace, to be reminded that you love us, that you care for us. And we just wanna be satisfied in you, God. Continue to speak to us. Continue to help us to have insight and wisdom and strength to do what you've called us to. Continue to help us to die to ourselves and exalt you and magnify you with our lives. Even when we don't understand the specific role or um, the calling that you have on our lives or disagree with it. Some of us, we don't like the plan that you've given us. But Lord, we, we wanna submit. We wanna die to ourselves. We wanna say you are God and we are not. We wanna embrace your election, your calling everything that you've called us to. God, give us strength to do so. Help us to bless your name and let us do that by faith. So we ask Holy Spirit to minister to us and strengthen us as we close out just worshiping you and reminding ourselves that this grace that we study about is for us as well. When we are weak, you are strong. So continue to be strong in us and through us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.